When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast, the award-winning top charting podcast with your host, Tom Davis. Hope everyone's doing so well. Uh, This is a great podcast talking about a Husky German Shepherd mix, three years old. This owner has worked with five different trainers, uh, and she's struggling. So if you're out there and you're struggling and you're trying to figure out this isn't working, this isn't working, these people are saying one thing. These people are saying another thing. You don't know what to listen to. You're frustrated. Your dog's frustrated and so on and so forth. It's This is for you. This is going to be, again, going over. I, I like to really go in depth about kind of dismantling some of the other comments that some of the other these other trainers had made that I just, I, I personally just think they're ridiculous. Uh, and, and I'm not saying, oh, they're wrong and I'm right. I'm just saying this podcast goes over some really crazy stuff that other dog trainers have told these guys to do that I don't know if you guys will find comical or disturbing, but it's an interesting podcast. There's a ton of great value in it as far as helping these guys shine light on the things that they need to worry about right now and try to make a difference in their dog's life with the reactivity and building a better relationship and confidence building. So all around, I think a ton of really great things. Um, Anyway, so good podcast. If you guys don't know yet, I'm doing a podcast or I'm doing a seminar with my buddy Forrest Mickey. Link in the description below if you guys want to come to the seminar. It's going to be my friend Forrest and I working on dogs together all weekend long. It's going to be a lot of fun. Forrest is a international world-renowned dog trainer from Oregon. I'm super stoked to do this with him. It's going to be an honor. It's going to be really exciting. It's going to be special. Link in the description below if you guys want to come and hang out. You can also audit. You don't have to bring your dog. Anyway, let's get into the podcast. Don't forget, really quick, listen to the end because I'm going to be answering your dog training questions. And if you want me to answer your dog training questions personally, I will do it right here on the podcast. All you guys have to do is go over to iTunes, leave a review, and in the review column, you can leave your review and I'll answer it. Listen to the end. I'm going to be answering three. Here we go. Hello. Hello. Hello there. How are you? Sweet. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Thank you so much for taking our call. I know you're super busy. I have been obsessively listening to your podcast when I go to the gym lately. Awesome. And um, I think, honestly, recently listening to your podcast, it just immediately made me want to call you. And uh, get your input and opinion on what's going on with our dog, Bodie. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to start with the background first. And if I trail off, I'm sorry. I have like super ADD and I talk a lot. And it's all good. So you can just pause me at any point. Got it. Okay, so 
Um, we have a rescue. His name is Bodie. He is almost three years old now. We adopted him when he was two. He is a street dog, pack dog from Tijuana. Um, Husky, pit bull, German shepherd. What else is he mixed with? Just like total Mexi mutt. You said he's three years old. Um, yeah, he's about three years old now. Okay. They thought he was about two when we adopted him. And then he also got neutered at around two years old. Okay. Um, we, I met him alone without my husband at an adoption event and, um, tons of people around, you know, his foster had him on a harness. Um, I met him by like squatting down and the foster kind of let him walk up to me. Um, and he just like started immediately kissing my face, you know, like I watched him for a while, uh, interact with children and people and people approaching his space and being approached by other dogs and, you know, his story was awesome with kids, awesome with dogs, um, you know, like the, the whole package, sure. right? The perfect package. Um, then my husband came and we met him along with my sister and her dog because uh, my sister was living on property for a while and she's got like a border collie mix. So we met him at a dog park. Awesome. Like watching him play with the other dogs. Awesome with my sister's dog, my sister my husband we were both able to like take him on leash and pull him away from the foster totally fine um we decided to adopt him and um the basically the day we brought him home i immediately started noticing behavioral issues um and i also blame myself a little bit because i treated bodie when i first took him home like a puppy mm -hmm. like I did not, and I wish that rescue groups gave more awareness to like, what happens when you bring home a rescue dog? There's a little bit of trauma. There's like a period of time where, you know, uh, they need to just get comfortable in your home. Who, who am I? Like, mm -hmm. why am I just taking Bodie to Petco? Like the day I bring him home, you mm -hmm. know, in which that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, he was totally fine. I was so excited to like bring my dog to Petco and, you know, as soon as we left Petco and he did awesome with all the people taking treats from the workers there. And then I just saw him like, there was this like young adult, I don't know, in his teens walking with a backpack and Bodie just like lunged and barked and it was just like, rah, 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 like, like lunged far. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we were taking him on hikes and he was lunging and barking at, you know, people that had like walking sticks, which I thought was kind of normal, like, oh, that's probably odd for him. You know, I don't know what he saw and was, was exposed to as a street dog in Tijuana. I don't know. Right. Um, and then we were walking him. We live in Joshua Tree area and we live on a dirt road. Our neighbor but like to get in and out of our property, you have to pass horses. And there's like two neighbors always at the corner and it's a small dirt road and you know she was out there and I didn't think anything of it but um when she you know she went to go do the hand thing like where people just look like they're about to punch your dog in the face by sticking their hand in their face and I just noticed that he like went to go nip her and he like barked and growled so it wasn't what we saw and um basically I went through about five trainers 
Um, and first trainer, we did a virtual reality thing because we were also having issues with, uh, not what? virtual reality, sorry, um, over, you know, just FaceTime sort of yeah. thing. Um, because when people were coming into the home, we also noticed he was weary of them. He did not like fast movements. Um, he does like, he was doing like the hard stare, you know, and he's got like bright blue see-through husky eyes. So like, they're yeah. kind of terrifying, but beautiful in the same way, but also very terrifying. And you, you got um, the, you got the trainers because he was acting like that when people came over is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, first trainer, you know, we were just like, how do we bring people into the home? And, um, she told us to keep him in like in another room in a crate, let people come in. And then once they're in, let him out, sniff them, let him say hello that way. And that has actually worked. We've continued to do that. Um, and then, yeah. And then just things progressed and, you know, second trainer was this girl. So the first, so just doing online training wasn't working for me. Like mm -hmm. I really needed some hands-on training with him. Um, second trainer, again, I, it was like a one session thing. She praised Bodhi, the most amazing rescue dog she's ever seen. Oh my God, you're so lucky. Blah, 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 blah. She brought her big Husky out to do some work with him, you know, with Bodhi and, um, mm -hmm. She did something where she pushed his butt down and she was handling him on leash and Bodhi just like immediately reacted to her. Didn't like, it didn't look like he was going to go attack her or bite her, but he was just lunging and barking, like get away, get away, get away. She started cursing and screaming, handed me the leash, <laughs> basically took her dog and like, didn't say anything to me or look at Bodhi. And I sat on the ground. I was like, are we done here? And she just had these sunglasses on and was just had her arms crossed and was staring at us. Like, I'm like, okay, that's weird. obviously we're done here. And this is really awkward and sad. And she's like, I think you should consider giving this dog back. I've only seen this one other time when I've had to uh, fix a dog from having an e-collar. And that was it. And yeah. Then... She, it just, I've seen that before. A dog scare dog trainers tend to have uh, quite a bit of an ego and oh yeah she had oh yeah so when a dog tries to go after somebody and they think that they know it all uh they get pissed at you and that's what happened yeah so oh yeah she, carry got, on. she was pissed yeah at you you know that's a, that's a, that's an interesting thing is like i i couldn't imagine like working with dogs as a professional and then a dog that i'm working with that has issues comes after me because i forced them to do something and then get pissed at anybody except yeah. myself anyway carry on yeah so dog trainer number three didn't wind up really being a dog trainer. He was like a doggy daycare guy. And after that experience where I was just like in tears and I didn't know what to do, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he was like, I got you, bring the dog here. Um, I'll help you. But it just wound up being a circus show. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think it was just more for, he, it was silly. I, the only thing we got out of him was we, taught Bodhi how to be crate trained. Um, but he had us doing funny things like bringing me and my husband to Home Depot with these big jackets on and not even with our own dog that said like human in training. And he would what? be like, 
Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and then he would never, he didn't even give us our dog to train. He was giving us other people's dogs from the daycare to walk around Home Depot with. And he's like, if you can Jeez. train, if you can walk around with this dog, you can definitely do it with your dog. And all these weird things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, but despite all that, um, he was, despite all that, one of the thing, one of the things that I think we did get out of that, because obviously we were a little confused at, Bodhi's comfortability with humans or dogs at this point. Um, this guy kept a house full of dogs up to 10 or 12 at a time. And uh, I'm not sure how comfortable Bodhi was with it, but he never had a problem there. He was with other dogs that he had never met before, mm -hmm. some that were regulars, but um, he was able to be in a rather small environment with multiple dogs at a time and come home after a day full of play and be exhausted. I don't know if that was through anxiety or happy play, <laughs> but um, one way or another, that, that kind of reaffirmed for us um, that, like in the situations we met him, that he is a bit of a dog lover. Right. You know, because again, yeah. going back to the very beginning, our meetings with him, he was coming right up to us, rolling on his back. He was on a leash. We were in and out of dog parks, like zero sign of any, anything that might have made us nervous to take him home, which is why we did. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so things only started to change once we got him into the house. And I think also like Mary is saying, Due to our experience with our last two dogs, which were American Bulldogs, and we were really not the best owners for them, to be honest. But we really wanted to be on a different footing with this dog and do you know do things better than we had before. And so we thought all this training was very necessary when maybe now in hindsight, having him for about a year, we realized that maybe we should have just been hanging out with him more instead of forcing him into all of these situations, you know? And from the yeah. very beginning. You Agreed. know, but so, yeah, like Vinny said, Eddie, I think he really wanted to be a dog trainer, like, but uh, like he was just doggy daycare dude, you know. Um, so where are we at? Where are we at now with with everything? Like, OK, so then we, we found another dog trainer. This is the this is the one trainer who opened up our eyes to like, oh, you need to establish a relationship with your dog. You need to establish um yeah. A bond like you don't have a bond she clearly saw like he's not trusting you he's not really making eye contact with you you gotta start there yeah so she was really helpful in the way where she was giving us exercises to do at home with him to work on our bond first before anything else mm -hmm. um and we actually couldn't even get the muzzle off of Bodhi until the third training session with her, like he was terrified of her, like lunging, barking. We immediately had to put the muzzle on mm -hmm. him. So I was actually really nervous doing the training with her. Cause I didn't think she took much time to like for Bodhi to like warm up to her and then do the training. But then, you know, Vinny, Vinny went and Vinny can tell you what happened. Um, and they are, they're, they're, they're a bit more of the school of thought where corrective behavior is where it's at. Balance, you know? balance training. Um, so yeah, she was a little bit more rigid with him. And the thing that kind of changed the training is when I told her, look, um, we have, a, we have an, a, 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 another dog that doesn't live on our property. But when that dog is on our property and other humans are around, Bodhi is a hundred times more comfortable with humans if there's a dog. So 
on this particular day. And sorry to interrupt, and off-leash. Yes, and off-leash, that's another key. So on this particular day, um, she has multiple pens for training, uh, for obstacle course and all these other things. We went in, she had her dogs, we took them off leash. Bodhi played with the other dog and this trainer that he really didn't want to be near at all, suddenly now he's just very happy to be around her, taking treats from her, and now he can take commands from her as well, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so after that, the training changed where we basically went to her ranch, took the dogs off leash, let them play a little bit, and then after that she could um, ask her dog for a command and then Bodhi would come up and follow and be very happy to do so for the most part, you know, mm -hmm. um, that training session ended and now we're currently with a, with, uh, with a trainer out in San Diego who, um, we've been working with for a while who is all positive reinforced. Yes. So we, so she's been, she's been really, really amazing. We did a three week board and train with Bodhi. Um, the reason why we're doing positive reinforcement is everybody who has handled him has said he has fear reactivity, um, leash reactivity. And because he's a fearful dog, you know, we didn't, we were experienced with prong collars with our other dogs and it changed our life. And so did the e-collar. Um, mm -hmm. But we were so hesitant to just introduce Bodhi to these tools because I, you know, it was, it had taken him so long to warm up to me. I mean, it's, it was probably took him like three or four months to just like warm up to me. Um, and, uh, so we went with the positive reinforcement trainer. She was, um, you know, the, the rescue that we got Bodhi from, she's highly recommended. And it was really great. And we got a lot of our foundation down, but now, so my last, um, train one of my last training sessions with her. I feel like we're just I'm just at a crossroads. So mm -hmm. we've been through every um, collar, you know. Now where I decided to introduce prong, she's not a fan of the prong. We'll try when I bring him to the training sessions. We'll she'll try to use it without the prong. But actually, last training session, she's like, "Can you get the prong?" Because <laughs> he is just like pulling. I can't. I so we had him on a martingale collar. Yeah. And, he, you know, we bring him to a new place. He is not paying attention to me. He's not listening. He's not. And he's hurting himself. Yeah. And he's you know? choking himself. He's mm -hmm. pulling, you know, it's like there, there's no connection there. When mm -hmm. I decided to put the prong collar on when um, we got him back after board and train and like, we still couldn't really walk him. And I was just like, I, I got to try this, you know, like this changed our lives before. I think being Bodhi's connection is pretty strong now. Let me try the prong collar. Put the prong collar on him, and I was just like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Here we go. I can walk my dog. I can walk him. He's paying attention to me. He's looking at me. He's not pulling. Um, I can direct him where I want him to go. And then I decided to slowly introduce the e-collar again, just using the pager. Um, and again, we live in an area, we live in Joshua tree area. There's there was just a coyote at our fence, like just now, um, there's rabbits, there's coyotes, there's rattlesnakes, it's rattlesnake season now. Like mm -hmm. we got to get his come command down, you know, like I was just, I thought my come command was great, but just trying to pull him away from the coyote just now, mm -hmm. he wasn't listening to me. Mm -hmm. And normally he's like been really, really good with his come command. Um, so, but anyway, what really 
brought me to this place is like really starting to implement these tools and not just positive reinforcement was the last time we were doing a training session at the, at the dog park. We were outside of the dog park. There were tons of dogs in the dog park and there were also tons of dogs off leash outside of the dog park. And I was just watching Bodhi and he was reacting to every single dog that was running by him, that he was watching. He was crying and lunging and barking and growling and doing all the things. Mm -hmm. And without a, out of correction, I just felt like he was really confused. Like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? What, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do? Like, I saw it in his eyes. Mm -hmm. And with this trainer, you're not allowed to say no. You're not allowed to correct him. Um, and the reason why, and this is like a big question that I want to ask you when we're ready to talk about e-collar is how, so her reasoning for, you know, saying no or giving a dog a correction when there's a person walking by is that you're going to associate that person with a bad thing mm -hmm. instead of like correcting him not to lunge and jump at the person. Um, I'm sorry. Did that make sense? Uh, what she's saying is don't say no, don't give him a correction because he's going to associate that person with punishment and then condition and then condition him to not like people and dogs even more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but where I, where I'm torn right now is like, I think Bun Bodhi does need structure and correction. Like I see him being way more responsive in that way, but I just don't want to do it the wrong. Like I'm scared to do that. I'm mm -hmm. scared to accidentally condition him to give him a correction. Yeah, and then associate people. Well, there's there's a couple of different. Punishment. Yeah, there's there's a couple of different things, and and a lot of things we have to pull off is like still where you're at with the problems. You've gone through five trainers. I'm I still don't know exactly what you're having problems with, but I, I'll just cover a couple of things. Is the idea of so when you're when you're working with animals in general dogs cats um giraffes uh, whales whatever what 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 your goal is as a trainer and a teacher is to teach the dog what's what you want them to do and then in some cases what you don't want them to do obviously some animals you have different leverages than others how are you, how are you going to correct a whale right um yeah you know and, and then there's other animals that you you can use some sort of structure and some sort of boundaries and some sort of limitations and using the word no and using the the reinforcement of no as well and following through and having some sort of accountability so i'll just go through that that's i think that there's some trainers who who don't really dig into exactly the things that they need to dig into about what they're teaching so and and um what what that means to me is listen is is if you if you're conditioning a dog no matter if you're conditioning it with positive reinforcement or positive punishment. So positive reinforcement by definition is to encourage a behavior to happen again. Positive punishment is the exact opposite. It's to discourage a behavior that you don't want to see again. So when we're using positive reinforcement, it's typically a conditioned association with something. So if a dog, if you, if you rumple your treat pouch out and your dog is motivated by food, they're going to go, okay, there's food involved. If you get your keys, your dog's like, okay, we're going somewhere. If you get your leash, okay, we're going for a walk, etc. Dogs are very, animals in general are very conditioned things, very conditioned. 
So, you know, like a deer, if they, if they smell a human instinctually and genetically, they're like, I'm out of here because I don't want to get hurt or killed or whatever, right? Those are, those are things that keep them happy, safe, etc. So anyway, my point is, is if you really break down conditioning, conditioning with somebody, with a dog that's reactive, if you really think about it, so say you have a dog on a leash and you're using a slip collar, slip leash. It actually doesn't matter what you're using because I, I think we're focusing too much on the tools and not enough about the training. The tools are just yeah. a product of you as as a as an artist, if you will. So if you guys are contractors and you know you you have your hammer and your nails and your screw gun, that's not going to build the house for you. That just helps, right? So those tools are just an extension of your your ability. And when we're working with dogs, because I'm working with dog owners who aren't professionals, who don't have the skills, who don't have the timing, who don't have the experience, who don't have the knowledge to do everything right. They are using tools for those reasons to get the results that they need to be successful. So anyway, so when you're out with a dog and you're walking with just a slip collar on, for an example, or a prong collar or whatever, when, when a dog does something that we don't like, that's where positive punishment comes in. So when the dog lunges and growls and barks, we say, leave it and we correct the dog. The dog says, that's uncomfortable. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. But this dog should have been A, pre-exposed to the behavior we're using to disassociate and dissemble the dog from reacting anyway, which would leave it, or even countering even further than that to be proactive, which would have been heal. But my point is, is after the dog does the behavior or does the thing that we don't like and we punish them for it, and the person or the thing is still standing right there and they're not getting punished, that theory that you were talking about what the other trainer said is absolutely incorrect because what that would do is it just like positive reinforcement. So a good positive reinforcement trainer like myself, I'm a positive reinforcement trainer, but I'm certainly not a positive only reinforcement trainer because I need to discourage right. behaviors as well because I, I primarily focus in behavior modification. It would be inhumane and absolutely absurd for me to do positive only training because it wouldn't allow me to help dogs that I need to. So when we're doing positive reinforcement training to teach a dog something, it would be the same thing as teaching a dog to only do a behavior for the food, right? Because the food comes out, we pay him. The food comes out, we pay him. The food goes away, we don't pay him. That's teaching the dog that, oh, when the food's there, that's the, that's the only time to listen. Well, that would be the same equation that what that, that trainer's trying to say. That's not how you train. You shouldn't be training like that. The food is a reinforcement. The correction is a reinforcement. So if I'm walking with the dog and they react to somebody and I correct them to discourage a behavior that I don't like because they're trying to kill somebody and they stop and they disengage and they take a deep and then they look at the person, they're not getting punished. So how is that person associated with the correction? They're not. If you're a good trainer and you know your timing and you know your four quadrants and you know how to handle a dog, a dog reacting at that moment is getting punished for the behavior, not from the subject. Right. So the dog that gets paid for positive reinforcement is getting paid for the behavior, not because they're in the room. So if a dog comes in a room and we taught them how to sit in that room and they come in and we try to teach them down and they're sitting, they're sitting, they're sitting, that's a problem. It's like, oh, the dog is only associating this room with a sit command because I didn't do a good job about teaching a dog that they get rewarded after they do a behavior, not just for the sit. That's where like right. the difference between good dog training and, and, and not so good dog training. And as you know, there's plenty of dog trainers who aren't, um, 
equipped or knowledgeable or experienced to do a lot of behavior modification training. And I'm not saying I'm good. I'm not saying I'm the best. All I'm saying is, is if you really think about how animals condition, when a dog reacts to somebody that you don't like, and you're correcting the dog for that behavior only, and your timing is good, the person is still standing right there literally a half a second later, and the dog is not being punished. They're being rewarded because they're not reacting. So right. if you, you know what I mean? So that, that right there is completely dismissed. If you actually dig into, I, I hear that theory a lot of, well, my other trainer said never correct a dog because it's going to associate the person or the dog to negativity. If right. you're, if you're good at what you're doing, that's absolutely not true at all. You're, you're right. discouraging the behavior that they're doing, not the thing. Right. right. Cause that behavior is still not going away. You know, I mean, look, I've had multiple trainers, obviously, and, um, everybody has their own philosophy. Uh -huh. It's like, everybody uses their own tools. They have their own philosophy. It's yeah. like, it's really, really like finding a therapist, the one that's right for you. Like 100%. I feel bad for the people that just give up on 100%. that one trainer said, Oh yeah. return the dog. And it's like, Oh my God, no, keep going. Yeah, I mean, right. it sucks and it's a lot of work, but it is great. I mean, five, you know, it's like yeah. crazy how everybody's been so different. Yeah. And, um, I know, you know, the behaviors, at this point are still not going away. We walk mm. Bodhi, he's on a leash, he sees somebody walk by. So what's interesting about Bodhi is, is he'll see somebody. So the other day we did a meet and greet with the positive reinforcement trainer. Um, uh -huh. The girl walks up, Bodhi looks like he wants to say hello, but we don't let him just go and say hello yet. And the minute we're holding him back, he's, he does the hard stare really quick. Mm -hmm. And then he lunging, jumping, like he wants to attack the person. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we get him to sit back down, put his muzzle on, um, and then let him go say hi. He, go, he goes and says hi. And the minute he goes and says hi, he's fine after that. After like the initial, mm -hmm. okay, I got to do what I want. Or, or I also don't know if when we are holding him back from just going up to somebody and saying hello to them. If he thinks, oh no, there's something wrong with this person yeah. because you're not letting me say hello to them. Well, I think it just but builds, I, mean, I think it just builds frustration and you right. know, the, you, two things, um, the trainer that you're working with right now is a positive only trainer. So not only, yeah, only. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause they're, well, I should, I should, that's not even correct. It's actually positive reinforcement only because there's plenty of punishment that you can do that has a lot of positive to it adding that to the equation. So she's a, this individual is a positive reinforcement only trainer, which means that in my experience and, and just working with dogs. And when I started off working with dogs, I wasn't, I was a dog walker and I worked with hundreds of dogs a month. And it wasn't like, I'm a, tra I'm a trainer now. I was like, I started to get into training because naturally I was working with their dogs and I was like, yeah, I, you know, whatever. And I, I'm not, it's not like I'm, in a political party here where I benefit from being on one end or the other. I just know what has worked over the years. I've, you know, there's positive reinforcement for certain things and then there's positive punishment for other things. And anyway, so, and then the other thing is, is just, you know, you don't want to limit yourself, you know, as a trainer, you, you make a decision to say, I'm either going to limit myself. So there's, there's what, what I believe in is limited dog trainers, which are people who only use one quadrant of the four quadrants that were invented or that are used every day. And then there's somebody like myself who's unlimited where we have, there's no limit, there's no limit to what 
I can bring out to the to the to the table with when I'm working with the dog. If I'm limiting my dog training or I'm limited my work that I can do with dogs because of my beliefs, it's selfish and it's it's it, what's more I mean what's more important my beliefs and my ideology and my tribalism to a certain thing or actually helping the dog. Yeah. So anyway, you've right. already experienced that. But so you know the other thing is 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 if you're trying to use positive reinforcement to discourage behavior, not only will it not work, but you're going to be doing that for a long period of time because by definition, it's impossible to do. That's like saying, I want to go forward in reverse. It's impossible. You can't do it. You cannot do it. It's by definition, positive reinforcement is to encourage behaviors. So you can avoid situations, you can redirect situations, but it is certainly never going to decrease a dog like you have's behavior or, or modify it. So I think you just have to, f- unfortunately, and I deal with this every day. And if you listen to my podcast, you hear me talk about it in on my videos, my videos in particular, for sure. And that's why I put out free content for everybody is because somebody like you, who's gone through five different trainers, you're like, is my dog really that bad? It's like, no, you just haven't, found, yeah. you haven't found the right person to work with. That's all it happens every day. But I think right now I would agree with you on what you're saying that it's going to build more frustration if you come up to a person that he may not particularly be comfortable with if it's one person or every person and you and you kind of force him into a sit and then he lunges and reacts. Well, when he's lunging and reacting, he's doing it because I don't know what the hell to do. So that comes back down on your relationship. So it's yes, it's about making sure that he under well, if, if he lunges and reacts and he does something you don't want to do and you don't correct the behavior, how is he going to know that it's wrong? He's not. Well, that was my exact question to her. When she said that, she's like, you just told, because he was lunging and reacting to this dog that walked by. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I had to pull him back, and he's strong. Yeah, bad stuff. um, Yeah, bad stuff. She's like, you know, you said no, and you pulled him back, and you don't want to do that. I'm like, yeah, but what am I supposed to do and she really didn't have an answer, right? Like it was just. I I, I found the the answer to be sort of a runaround. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, you don't really actually land on anything clear. You, you just know? have so, to. You just... So now, so now you have two unclear handlers with an unclear message for their dog. Yeah. You know? Or it's just exposure. She's just like, you just got to get him out there and exposed and have him like in a relaxed position sure. while dogs walk by and keep feeding him treats and. Sure, but that's part of it, right? So there is uh, absolutely desensitization to use positive yeah. reinforcement to, to help the dog, especially if it's a fear dog, if it's a dog predicated all of his reactivity and his lunging off of fear. And so if you're, I would agree to that extent, but it, you know, you got to be really careful about what you, what you do and how you listen to things. Anyway, that's besides the point. I want you to just moving forward. It's, I don't want to, I think you're half, you're halfway there. That's it. I think, I think you have the ideas. I think I think because you've dealt with so many bad eggs, if you will, or in some yeah. cases, maybe some eggs that just can't fully, sounds like the trainer that you're working with now is good at teaching you how to teach the dog new stuff, but is is not giving you virtually anything on how to decrease the behavior that you don't like, which makes sense yeah. because she's only using one of the quadrants. It's it's science, it's training, it's animal behavior. All of it makes sense. It's You can't discourage a behavior by using positive reinforcement is you just it's impossible you cannot do it and that's all you're working with the trainer that 
only does that type of training. So it makes total sense why you're kind of like, man, everything else is good, but this. And that's why when you ask her these questions of when a dog is lunging and trying to eat another dog or try to bite another dog or try to nip another dog or whatever he's trying to do, she's like, well, basically you're like, oh, so we just, we just pull the dog away and just put it in yeah. a sit and, and treat Redirect, it. Redirect, look. Yeah, it's not going to. F- or when we were walking, dodging into like, like literally like, like yep. trying to I know. like there's dogs coming there's people she like ran into traffic to get away from I know it's the triggers it's, you it's know nuts. what I mean <laughs> but 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 instead of that right so she can do her own thing and continue to do that and that's where she'll be forever unfortunately and, and that's fine but what you need to do is you need to progress because your dog's only going to get worse and you're under the yeah. so so again like what you need to do is 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 go on the other side and be balanced to say okay when I'm out walking Bodhi heel, good heel. We're going to talk about your relationship in a minute because I think that that's the bigger problem because you're like you were saying is you're, you guys are kind of giving mixed signals here is you're like one minute the dog does something and we just pull the dog back and make the dog more frustrated or potentially making the dog more nervous because now we're telling the dog, oh shit, what do we do? Hang on. Yeah. Like, of course, like you're not, you, the dog is spiraling out of control and you're grabbing the dog by the collar and sitting it down and shoving treats down his throat. Obviously that's going to make the dog like, what the hell is going on here? Like I'm confused now and I'm more insecure yeah. than when I was. So when you're out and you're handling, you got, and again, the, I don't, the amount of, so the thing that you have to understand too, moving forward is I specialize in behavior modification and trying to modify bad behavior. So of course there's a lot of tools that are going to be involved into my training, but I don't care if you use a harness, a flat collar or a martingale or a slip collar. That doesn't matter to me. I want to use whatever works. Historically, there's been tools that have helped us like the e-collar, like the prong collar, like the plastic pinch collar, like the slip collar that have made our lives a lot easier and safer for our dogs. So to not use them is silly. That's why we do use them. And I think you guys just have to go out and you have to make sure that when you're handling, I want you to focus more on, because right now it almost just seems like it's 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 a it's it's like a casino, like you're at a slot machine, ding ding ding, and you're just waiting for something to click. You're like, oh, is this gonna work? Is this gonna work? Is this gonna work? Yeah. And it's never gonna click for you because you're not doing the right things. So I think what you need to go out and do is really think about how good your basic obedience is, and if you're out with him, you should be working on a little bit of avoidance a little bit of positive reinforcement, a little a little bit of positive punishment and and really pushing him forward as a good leader, as a good handler. So what 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 um what equipment are you using out with him right now? So now we have him on the prong collar, which like I said has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and I've been putting his e-collar on and I've been using the pager, which I honestly rarely even need to use. Like I've only need, I've used it a few times. I'll, I'll, I use it when necessary. Like, um, if he's not listening to me, if he, you know, if we're walking and he gets, so I've been listening to your podcast and I, and I have a longer lead now. And I, when I have him in heel, I also do break. Mm-hmm. And he's like really getting that. So it's like really fun for us to be walking together now. Like I finally feel like we're walking together and I'm not just like walking Bodhi. Like we're like. Or he's walking us really. Yeah. Like it it feels like we're we're walking together. This is awesome. And Mm -hmm. um, 
So if he goes off a little too far, if he's not listening to me when I ask him to come back, um, I'll hit the pager and he just like, vroom, like he flies right back to my lick, mm-hmm. you know, um, oh, I'll use it, you know, like outside in the backyard, I've been practicing with him. We are lucky enough to have about three and a half acres of, of property for them to roam and run. So, um, yeah, okay. so that's basically what so I'm prong using. Call it- prong collar and e-collar. So I, what I mm-hmm. what I would suggest for you to do is what you need to do is build more confidence in him and you have to build more confidence in your relationship with him as well. So when you're handling him, if you want to use the prong, you're going to go out and use that. And how is your obedience with him? Like, And I'm not talking about for when you have an Italian deli at your hip and I'm not talking about like when you're just sitting at home and nothing's going on. If you go outside with him and you ask him to do something, how is that with him? I mean, I, I think we're at like a 90%, like we're pretty high up there. With what? Like his obedience. I would disagree. Um, I think it's, I think it's hit or miss depending on the situation, the more external, um, the more activity there is in an external environment, uh, obviously the more difficult it is for us to keep his attention with us. Um, We live in a rural community. So for example, if we're taking him on a 45 minute walk around the neighborhood, it's generally just the three of us. There's hardly any distractions. I mean, we might not even see a car, let alone a person, Mm. you know? So then when we get into an environment, like we're like, we're going to a shopping center or we're getting close to a dog park. Now he's like, what the hell is all this? And then, you know, attention level drops drastically, but you know, the more quieter the situation is, yeah, he'll, you know, we can take a break at a street corner and ask him to just go down for a minute while a car passes or something like that. And for the most part, it works. You know, I don't feel a struggle, but yes, as the environment becomes more dense, there's more noise, there's more people. I mean, the ratio to attention just completely drops. To what do you think? To him paying way less attention to us and being way more um, distracted. Uh, what would you say? Charged up by the environment for sure. Okay. So that's kind of like what I was trying to get to, and I appreciate that because that's what matters is if your dog heals and sits and stays inside, that's great, and I, I want to see it transition into reality. So if you go outside – so here's the question, and if you listen to my podcast, you'll hear me say this a lot is you know, if you go outside – so say, okay, what do you want as a dog owner? Well, I want my dog to go out and walk nice and loose around people and other dogs without having to freak out. Great. Okay. What does – what does that mean with obedience in training? That means heel. The heel is your dog walking loose leash at your heels. Okay, how is your heel? Well, basically your heel right now isn't good in reality is what you're saying, correct? Yeah, it's not 100%. Okay. Could, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be 100%, but it's something I want I want you guys to focus more on your your training instead of being in fix-it mode. Like when you're going out and you're just trying to shut down the reactivity or you're just trying to shut down the barking, which is a part of it, but it's, you can counter that with a fearful dog. What I find is, is if you want to give them an outlet to say, let's do this instead, they're like, Oh, thank God. Cause I really didn't want to try to react to this thing. And also right. you have to make sure that you're not overexposing them when they're not prepared. So if, mm-hmm. if their healing isn't that great in, in a realistic environment and they check out and they're more distracted and they're hyped up and you, you're going cl- you know closer and closer to these other parts of the world or 
the other parts of the the environment so the the dog parks the home depots the places like this and the obedience isn't good you, you have to like pull it back a little bit and say we need to we need to kind of focus on the basics because again when you have a fearful dog they're like they don't want to do the things that they're doing i think a lot of humans look at a reactive dog and they think like oh it's aggressive no the dog is shitting his pants and he actually right. doesn't want to do these things. He just doesn't have an alternative because his understanding of the preliminary foundational obedience isn't good enough because you haven't really pushed him forward to it. It's like sending your kid off to take their IQ test or any type of test, like a big test, right? And not ever preparing them. And then they fail and they fail and they fail and they fail and their confidence goes down. They're like, mom, dad, I, I, I'm dumb. It's like, no, actually we didn't teach you this stuff. So you shouldn't actually even be good at this. And what you're dealing with, which a lot of dog owners deal with, is you're frustrated the kid isn't doing good at the test. You're like, man, you're spending money on it. You're frustrated. It's it's creating tension between the household. So what you really want to do is go back down to the basics because correcting a dog is fairly easy, but it's not, I really want you to help him get over the things. And the likelihood of him being reactive because of his insecurity is high. It's, a, it's really up there. It's probably the majority of what you're dealing with. And if you can provide him structurally like a better foundation, he'll be less reactive. So that's th those are the things I would do. So great exercises are putting him on the left side, getting your, your prong and your leash out. And the prong, again, is your extension. So when we're using equipment with dogs, after the preliminary stages of introducing how it works, you can put the prong and the e-collar on every day for the rest of the, your dog's life, but it it's you really want to equate how much you're using it, right? So if, if you're wearing your seatbelt and you're going out and you're actually using your seatbelt once a week, that's a problem. <laughs> Whoever's driving that ship should not be driving anymore. So it's kind of like this reinforcing backup plan if we did get into a situation where we didn't come back because there's coyotes and they were luring your dog in to kill your dog or if there you know, was a flexi leash little Pomeranian yipping at your dog and your dog choked his way down the road to get to this dog. These are all things that we would use the equipment to help the situation. But there's other exercises you have to do before any of that happens because that's the big game and you're not ready for the big game. Going to the dog park, going to Home Depot – that's kind of like stepping on the field after your whole life of being, I can't wait to play in the World Cup like type thing. And yeah. so I think you have to go back down to the basics and really tune up what you want from the dog instead of going out yeah. and trying to shut down stuff. Right. Yeah. And that's your relationship. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I honestly listening to, I, I'm going to get her name wrong and I apologize. Um, Marina, I think her name yeah. was the yep. dog psychologist. Mm -hmm. There was so much I grabbed from that podcast where everything just like, like it was like all of a sudden I woke up. I'm like, oh my God, like I have just been trying to fix Bodhi this entire time. And right. I didn't stop to just like get to know him, pay attention to him, you know, just I was just throwing so many different people at him, so mm -hmm. many different things. And I never stopped to just like bond with the dog I just brought home who yeah. doesn't have any clue who I am or why he's here. And he just got taken from the street and from his last foster home that he really loved. 
And um, I actually felt so bad. And that's when I started retracing my steps. Like, okay, let me slow down here a minute and like, let me take a step back. Like I yeah. did after listening to that podcast. It was really, it was so good. I mean, it really was so helpful for me at least. Good. Um, Glad. Yeah. Yeah, it's an old, but, oldie but a goodie for sure. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. I mean, I had him listen to it. We were, you know, we drive back and forth to San Diego to take Bodie to training, you know, which is Ocean Beach. So like what Vinny said, we do take him around here, around the property and the streets here, which are very different. Yeah. And he is very well, like he does heal. He he turns on a dime when I ask him to come. But like once we go to Ocean Beach and there's like, you know, homeless people everywhere and tons of people and cars and bikes, it's like, it is, it, it takes yep. a minute to, you know, get him to calm down. But, uh, my question for you then is, um, if we are walking, so like now we're doing now in my mind, I'm, I want to do more balanced training. Mm -hmm. We're walking past a person and this person, which happens all the time. Oh my God, your dog is so cute. You know, they're coming closer and closer and closer. Bodhi's mm -hmm. starting to react they seem to talk to Bodhi more. Oh, don't be scared. You know, come closer, closer, closer. Yeah. And Bodhi's reacting in that moment. What do I do? Do I correct Bodhi? Um, what do I do, Tom? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm looking up right now. Uh, actually, I think what I would do is there's a podcast I did. I'm going to look it up really quick. There's a podcast I did, and it is, um, I think it's, hold on, let me just, uh, I think it's the most important thing dog owners need to know, uh, and it's about like leash reactivity, and then there's episode 101, which is also the leash reactivity blueprint that I would recommend, because that's basically what we're talking about, like more in depth with more time. So those two things. So 101 and 103 is the is the ones I would recommend um, uh, listening to. Um, anyway, okay. so besides that, what do you do? Okay, so well, what are you, what are you doing now? I mean, what's your, what's your, what's your routine? Cause like I said, I think we can both agree. We can all agree that like you said, is you're not spending enough time. So here's, here's this pendulum, right? It's damned if you do damned if you don't, because you're not spending enough time building a relationship with the dog and that is then making the reactivity worse. So it's kind of like this constant um, recycled thing. And I think right now it's like when you're out with him, that's why I recommended those podcasts. Cause we go through, actually the guy sent me over videos of him working his dog and I talk him through the same things that I guarantee that you're struggling with and you're, you need to work on. But what you want to do is when you're out with your dog, like you have to advocate for your dog. So if anybody comes up and says, Hey, you know, you have to, so I think I'll, I'm not in the dog. I always tell people I'm not in the dog, the dog business. I'm in the people business. I, 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 it's not, there's some people out there like dogs by X or dogs by Y or dogs trained by X dogs train. That's not, you'll never see me do that because I am not training dogs. I am training people. I'm teaching people how to train their dogs. So my point is, is you have to really be head on a swivel out there and make sure that you're like, okay, what can I'm always 
we just hired a new trainer the other day and I told this individual, I said, believe it or not, I think, you know, one of the main reasons I have anxiety sometimes working with dogs is because I am actually always thinking about the absolute worst case scenario to prepare myself for something like that to happen. I work with dogs who want to rip me apart every day. And I have for 14 years, I've been bitten once and it was my fault because I dove on a dog because I thought they were going to anyway. So my point is, is be very proactive, head on a swivel. When you go out with your dog, you're confidently, your shoulders are straight. You're moving forward. You're looking forward. You're not looking at your dog. You're probably doing that now. You're probably looking at him too much, probably looking down at him. You're probably like, what are we doing next, bud? What you need to do is say, you're with me. I'm not with you. You go out, you see somebody, you immediately, you have to radar, boop, 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 right? You're out. You see somebody, you look at them, they're completely disengaged with you guys. No problem. Keep moving. You're out. You see somebody and they're kind of like Google Gaga over your dog. Okay. I'm prepared to say, oh, I'm so sorry. My dog's in training. I got to go. Boom. Keep moving. And if you see a dog that's losing their minds, then again, like you have to just kind of avoid that situation. So really it's playing advocate for, for you and your dog by just telling people, my dog's in training. That's the best way to do it. Because I find if you're like, oh, they're not friendly, they're like, oh, well, you're going to find the people that you worked with. Well, I'm a trainer, you know, I can help oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's oh, like, absolutely. he even wears a vest and people yeah. are still like, yeah, you what? just, yeah, you just have to, you just have to, it's selfish. That's just how we are in the United States. It's pretty sad and disgusting. But anyway, what yeah. you have to do is you just have to really advocate and say, sorry, he's in training and you just keep moving. Um, and that's, that's what you, that's what you just have to do. And, and to me, like when I'm out with my dogs, like I say my dogs, I have one dog pretty much now. If I go out with Lakota and I'm out with her, like I'm had, she's, she's, she's fine with people. She's never had an issue with people in her whole life. She doesn't really particularly love other dogs cause she's a working dog. She just wants to work. If there's a ball involved, she's like, okay, you can chase me, but I don't want to play. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm just mindful of it and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm just mindful of like what people are thinking and what they're doing. And a lot of people really don't care. And then there's other people that do. So I think you just have to have a head on a swivel by being an advocate for your dog and just vocalizing to tell people my dog is in training. You cannot pet him and just keep moving. But usually just being rude and moving forward is all you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just yeah. like, don't stop and say, oh, my dog? Yeah, he doesn't like you. Oh, why he doesn't? Well, and then it's like, but by the time that's, you know, it's just yeah. silly. So I want to talk about handling because I know we don't have a ton of time left and I want to, that's the most important thing that I really think you need to start developing. Those two podcasts I listed will give you two hours of exacts, but when you're out and you're handling with them, switch things up. So everyone makes the mistake of, I only engage my dog into, hey, pay attention mode when there's a dog or there's a person. And you don't want to do that because you're cueing the dog that there's a problem, a lot like what you're doing right now. If you see another dog, you're taking his collar, you're forcing him into a sit, and you're telling him like, this is a problem. Sit your ass down. Like, this is going to be a problem. This person. So you're, so again, you know, I would, I would go back to say to the training that you've been doing to say if, you, if you're forcing your dog into a sit every time you see a potential problem, a.k.a. a human or maybe another dog, even though he doesn't have a problem with dogs, he might be reactive to dogs or he might be reactive to the person with the dog. Anyway, that's going to create more conflict and more frustration and more like, again, instead of correcting the behavior, what you're doing is you're forcing a dog into a vulnerable position and actually right. amping them up more to actually be more stressed about the situation. So right. instead you should go out and if he, 
if he does anything you don't like, leave it, pop, you correct him, and you keep moving. Don't sit there and yeah. stare at him. Don't talk right. to him. Don't put him into a sit. Just keep moving. Because yeah. he's coming out, and the point of view of him is he's already, again, he's insecure, he's nervous, whatever he went through before. So maybe he doesn't trust people or whatever. And you are guiding that ship. So he should be looking up at you and engaged and what are we doing next? And I have found, honestly, if people just take a deep breath and put their shoulders straight and grab that leash and just walk forward like that other dog or that distraction doesn't even exist, you might find the dog to never react again. And people, I've, yeah. I've done it before because people are actually, oh shit, there's a dog. Oh shit, there's a person. Hey, Bodhi, sit, 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 heal. <laughs> do all this shit yeah. and it's like I, I hate being that man. Do yeah. I hate it. Not yeah. do that. You're basically yeah. saying, Brant, a problem, Brant, yeah. problem, Brant. Don't right. just move. What's the deal? Yeah. If you make yeah. it a big deal, it will be a big deal. Right. right. So try that first of all, is just move right shoulder. Don't don't you know if you watch my videos, it's a it's the first thing everyone does. I'm like, I want you to be a good handler. I want you to be a confident handler. I want you to show me and to show your dog that you know where you're going. And they lift their arm all the way up here. They look at the dog and they say, sit. I'm like, what are you sitting your dog? What are you doing? Walk, move, use your momentum. Like yeah. You are in charge. It's, it's yeah. a lot like if you watch people who work with horses, you, you, you grab the horse and you just walk. You're not going to have a yeah. conversation because first of all, they don't understand. It's just as much, you might as well talk to the horse if you're talking to a yeah. dog, right? There's just no sense yeah. in it. You just got to move the animal. Like they're not going to listen. Oh, English, right, good, right? So there's that. But then the other thing is this counter conditioning with obedience. So when you're out, you want to be practicing how to dismantle and disengage your dog's attention towards anything, squirrels, people, dogs. How are you going to do that? Obedience. So if you're out, there's an inside turn, which is your, if he's on your left side, you're going to turn into him with your left shoulder boop, like this. So you turn into him and you cut him off and you can go, mm -hmm. you can kind of square like this, or you can just turn at like a 180 and go right the other way. And there's an outside turn, which is the other way. So you're turning away from the dog, your right shoulder's away from the dog if he's on your left side. And those two things. So what that does is that's what I, if you watch my videos, that's why I call it tune-up or a calibration. You're basically getting the dog to pay attention to you like a magnet. You you do an outside turn, they go that way, you go this way. Pop, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then the dog will start looking at you. Oh, 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 sorry, what are we doing? What are we doing? Okay, yeah. you're in charge. I got to pay attention. And then the inside turn. So you got to think, it. so you want to be practicing those exercises. So you're going to be going out, heel, break, heel, break, heel break now the heel what i'm talking about is just having those directional changes and this will allow you to go through your walking situation without having to correct the dog so we're just saying basically pay attention so so when you get a dog that gets insecure he's going oh shit oh shit there's what do we and then you go heel boom it gets corrected pay attention pay attention so you're immediately yeah. assertively basically saying hey you on me right now and then all of because if he was an actually aggressive dog this likely wouldn't happen and this wouldn't work but they're very rare real aggressive dogs are rare and that's a whole different scenario but what you want to do is he's going he basically in his head is like dun, 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 like all these red flags because he sees this person he doesn't know how to handle it doesn't know what to do and he also believes you don't know what you're doing either because you're not providing it you're not telling yeah. him let's do this 
let's do this. You're kind of just hanging on, hoping for the best. And if he gets yeah. nervous and he gets mad, you're sit. And he's like, I don't want to sit right now. We are in a crisis mode. There's a person yeah. here. I have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to protect us lady. You know? So, yeah, yeah. so really what you want to do is practice your obedience so you can start using that and blending and folding that into reality. So if, if he's, is he, is he food motivated? Does he like treats food? Yeah. In, in, uh, in the beginning, he wasn't at all. I just think it was nerves. Um, but honestly, I think now he's just expecting the treat. Like, oh, I did this. And he just yeah. like opens his mouth before the treat even comes. <laughs> so I yeah. don't know. It's hard to say now. I'm just like, okay, you just yeah. are expecting right. the treat. Well, that's, that's again, like that's the same. That's, that's because it's okay. Let's, let's, let's just, here's what I want you to do is if he does good. So you got to have a good marking system. You got to have, you got your timing has to be good. Um, just because he's been, he's all over the freaking place, you know, and, 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 and so are you, and it's nobody's fault. Like you're trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure it out. And I'm not saying like my way is going to straighten everything out. All I'm saying is, is I, just historically over time, like this has, has helped so many people to say, oh, okay, a little bit of this. So basically blending almost everything that you've been doing together, except going out and wearing coats and handling somebody else's dog. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I don't think that that applies anywhere. What we're talking about, but I think yeah. just when you go out, like what I want you to do it. Treats. You, you don't have to use treats. You can use you can use positive reinforcement verbally. Good boy. Good. A ball. A toy. Whatever. But what you want to do is, his head is his nucleus, right? His head is what makes everything happen. His head is what, just like with us, for the most part, right? We see something, we react, right? So when he's out, he, you're using your body inside turns, outside turns, to take that. You know, and, and you're saying, hey, let's go over here. Let's go over here. So it's a little bit of avoidance, but I would consider it like very not positive in a way of that you guys would think, but it's a very positive association with this is what we're going to do instead because I know you're nervous. So it's kind of like a young kid being afraid for first grade or kindergarten or something. And you're kind of like, hey, come on, look at look at this over here. Oh, yeah, I love coloring books. And then all of a sudden they're in their classroom and you walk out. It's like, it's, it's a, it's avoidance, but it's almost like a white lie avoidance type thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when you're coming out, so what you want to practice is anything that, so what you want to do is you want to practice if you're coming out, do a little back pedal. So draw, I call it a drawback, like a quarterback. You just, you drop, you're in a heel and then Bodhi come. And then you, and then he turns around and he comes to you and you bang, you pay him. Yes. Good. Come. And then break. And then you break him yeah. out. He's on the leash. So then what you want to do is do an inside turn exercise where you're turning right into him and you're walking and you're, you're paying him if verbally good heel, buddy. Good. He's, you can, you can feel him looking at you. You don't have to stare at him. Good heel, bud. Outside turn. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, and you're constantly like, pay attention, pay attention. And it becomes a game and they get fun. They get kind of bouncy. I don't know if he will because I, I, I have an understanding that his environmentals are a little, he's a little nervy. But what you want to do is have fun and say, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, come on, let's go. Let's go. It's okay. Yeah. Let's go. Like this. And you kind of engage with him and you make it an inside job. And he's like, oh, this is fun. So he's engaging with you, which is relationship building, which builds confidence. Yeah. But also in the future, if you're doing that often, so say you're, you're out for a walk and you did that three times. You do a drawback recall. He's looking right at you. He's waiting for that treat or he's waiting for that reward or whatever it is. Okay, break, right? And then you see a dog and this dog is maybe interested in you guys, isn't really reactive, but you can just tell this dog isn't going to look away from you guys and be a senior dog and walk away. So 
you can use those exercises to kind of avoid the conflict because you can't control the other dog's um, behavior also. So if I was, like yesterday, I walked with Lakota around my neighborhood and it's starting to become spring here. So people are out walking their dogs and they're barking and doing all the dog's stuff that dogs usually do (laughs) on the harnesses that are out here. And so what I do is, you know, I just put her in a nice heel and I'm rewarding her and I pay her after if she does good. You know, so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give her like a focused heel all the way through like three or four barking dogs and then I'll pay yeah. her after. So what you want to do is have some sort of like a build up reward schedule. And I want you to, I want you to practice how can I help my dog through these situations with these very structured exercises of, and again, it's not complete avoidance. So what you don't want to do is say like, all right, see this piece of steak over here, Brody, over here, over here, look at over here, look at over Like you're trying to take a, like a toddler's picture at a portrait. Yeah. Don't do that shit. Cause that doesn't help you at all. What you want right. to do, because eventually what ends up happening, especially with like a fearful dog is if, if you do that drawback and the, so if you do that drawback here and he's looking right up at you and the dog walks behind him and he looks over and he's just kind of like eyeing the dog, yes, good, good recall or good leave it or whatever. And then you break him out. It'll start to develop kind of the same, um, association that you guys are trying to do at like the dog parks and places is you're just letting it go. And then in the opposite end of that, because th- this isn't a fairy tale and there's some trainers that would only give you that advice of avoidance. If he does, decide to sound off and be a jerk for no reason then you would correct him for that behavior and use a leave it and then and then correct him using that positive punishment and then the moment he says okay i won't do that anymore yes good leave it good leave it so you have to blend all these things together and it's it is difficult and it is especially if you don't have anybody to teach you how to do it um but that's what you should be focusing on first is your handling and your relationship and the things that you can do to engage with him when you're outside. So it becomes an inside job. And then the, the, cause the correcting part is going to be easier than any of that. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it all totally makes sense. I think I just really needed to hear from you that correction was okay in the mix because yeah. I just don't sure. feel like we're getting anywhere with him without it because everybody seems confused you know Mm -hmm. like you're lunging at this child you're lunging at this person and the last thing that i want to do you know obviously is last thing anybody who is a dog owner wants to do is have you know him react bite and it's all over you know and so how do i correct that behavior like how do i just yeah like how do i get it like i feel like he needs a correction we see dogs they correct each other all the time like i've watched it i watched a whole documentary on street dogs to try to understand what was going on with Bodie and try to understand him more. And I'm just like, why, why are we only using this method? It doesn't even really make that much sense to me, mm-hmm. you know? So I, um, I needed to hear you say it's okay to blend. Yes. It's okay yeah. to correct. Like these are the things that I needed to hear from you today. And, cool. uh, so I can, yeah. carry on with all my trainings. <laughs> yeah. I think, like I said, I, I think you just have to like take bits and pieces of, of what you, you know, just like with life, that's how we live our life. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's what you need to do. And, and, and again, like I would just be very cautious and mindful of anybody telling you to never tell your dog no, because yeah, I think that's very inhumane. So, okay. Our dog is doing something that could potentially end their life. Like if they're barking at a kid and they nipped a kid on accident cause they're shitting their pants and your trainer said never tell your dog no and never tell your dog that they can't do something, 
I think that's one of the most inhumane things you could ever do to a dog's behavior and mindset. So they never know what's right and what's wrong. They never know that what they're doing and what they're doing out of fear could kill them and end up in. So think about that, right? Think about the dog actually lunging on a flat collar, nipping a kid in the midst of things because the kid was blowing bubbles or something that freaked your dog out. And you're going back to your trainer and you said, Hey, my dog just nipped a kid. And you told me to never correct, never to punish, never to tell the dog no, never to tell the dog that what they've done is wrong. And my dog just nipped a kid and now I have to put my dog down. So you're going to drive with me to the vet as my dog's in the back of the car thinking they're going to the dog park. We're actually walking into the vet. We're going to stick a needle on him. He's going to die on the table because you told me never to tell my dog no. Insanity. Yeah. Insanity. It's criminal. It's absolutely criminal. Absolutely disgusting. But anyway, that's besides the point. Obviously, you know how I feel about it. It's pretty sad. Anyway, <laughs> well, um, it's nice to meet you guys. And like I said, I think that you guys um, are doing every. I think you're. I think you're following the course as you should. I think you've been misguided a little bit. I want you to take the advice that I've given you because I'm a dog lover first, and then I have become a professional teacher over time because I care and I love dogs, and I don't have an agenda, and I don't have. There's no reason for me to give you misinformation because of my beliefs. I'm just telling you what has worked over time. So that's what I would do. I would listen to those other podcasts and, um, keep watching the videos. And then in the future, uh, if you, you know, want to do this, something like this again, I mean, obviously we certainly can. And, uh, I'll be yeah. out, I'll be out in California this fall. If it's still going on at that point, you can bring them up oh, and awesome. work with me. So just, uh, stay cool. tuned to all my socials and, uh, yeah, good luck. Thank you so much for your time today. You're nice welcome. to meet you. Nice to meet you too. You're welcome, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys, you have reached the end of the podcast, and this is labeled Reactive Dog by Sav Pav. Uh, Sav Pab. It's a five-star review. Love, love, love your podcast. The question is, well, thank you so much for the review, but uh, what and any advice on introducing and preparing a reactive dog for a baby or a child. I have an eight-year-old reactive neutered pointer mix named Bam Bam. I've had him since he was three months old, and his, react- his reactivity started around six months old. He typically lunges and barks when he reacts. I believe his reactivity stems from his insecurities and the lack of my proper handling. I found a trainer in my area in San Antonio that can help train Bam Bam, but also train me. We got him on the dog chair, and I instantly saw a positive difference in him, and I'm still working on his basic obedience and building a better relationship. One day, I'd like to start a family, but I want to make sure Bam Bam and I have the foundation. We need to be successful. Your content has helped me better a relationship with my dog, so thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. You talked about hopefully doing a tour and a few podcasts. Texas is on the list. We're doing a seminar in Texas. I'm super stoked about it. Stay tuned. Um, great question. And thank you for the review. I, to be honest with you, this can be short and sweet. Dogs, especially dogs, like I've had dogs that have been reactive or I've had dogs that have been, I guess, deemed aggressive and whatever. And dogs are interesting because especially when you have, if you're pregnant with a baby and you have a baby, dogs are so intuitive to that pregnancy and so intuitive with, with what's going on. It'll kind of blow your mind about how they get it, how they understand things. It's pretty remarkable. Um, and I have had, I've had no issues with a woman going through pregnancy and then having a child with a reactive dog and the dog becoming reactive to the child because it's part of their family and it has been for months. Um, dogs are pretty intuitive with that. Now that's not a guarantee and that's not always, but in my experience, that's what's happened. 
So my suggestion is is make sure your obedience is good. Make sure your control is good. It sounds like you got into some e-collar work. So make sure your place and your downstays are good. I think starting a family in the future. Uh, the reason why I said pregnancy instead of just a child because it that doesn't just because you get a child doesn't mean you have to be pregnant that you can adopt or whatever. So I'm just being conscious of that. Um, if that's the case, that's a little bit different because again, you're going to have to make sure you're introducing things properly, but I don't think that's what you're trying to do. So I would just say, I think it's going to be fine for the, because it has been historically. But the other thing is, is just really making sure that you guys are paying attention to your obedience and making sure that you can control the dog on leash and off leash and not even maybe for the reactivity issues. When you have a child, you're going to need the most control you can have. So I hope that that helps. And thank you so much for the question and the review. Next up, love the podcast from Scrubber5. I watch your YouTube channel and recently discovered the podcast. and I'm totally hooked. Makes my drive to and from work much more enjoyable. So thank you. Thank you for the free uh, questions and the awesome content you provide. My question is, is the goal to not need a prong collar? My almost two-year-old intact Australian Shepherd pulls a lot in the Martingale collar when excited to the point of choking him or herself out. The prong has been an amazing tool that has allowed us to go into public and take classes and do much, so much more with him. But should I be working towards the point where we don't need the prong? Question. Um, so it's a good question, and I've answered this a couple different times. But um, the, the answer to that is, is it's the use of the collar that you're trying to wean off of. If you use a prong collar and you're actively using it every single time you're out, you might want to really rethink your obedience. If you have to use it all the time, that means that maybe your foundational training isn't where it needs to be to be in the environments you're in. So wearing the prong collar and using the prong collar are two very, very separate things. If you're going to go out with your dog, I don't think there's any reason why not to wear a prong collar just in case you need it. But again, if you're constantly hacking and pulling and really trying to correct the dog, that probably means that your obedience isn't that good. So great question. And my answer is you need to diversify the difference between using and wearing because they can wear it every day just in case you need it for that extra support. That's why it's there. But you don't want to be using it full-time when you're out because that means your training isn't where it needs to be. Great question. Thank you so much. Next, the next best podcast ever plus a question from A. Pridmore. This podcast is full of information that is helpful to owners. 100 out of 10 recommend. Thank you. I have a question for you, Tom. I have a year-and-a-half-year-old female spade mutt rescue who is sometimes least reactive to other dogs. She used to be super reactive, and we had amazing progress with the help of an e-collar. I tried the 2EDC, but personally prefer the mini educator. She's got awesome obedience, and I hold her accountable for the heel command to get her through situations that are tough for her. Again, we've made so much progress, but the only situation I can't seem to work her through is when we're turning a corner and there's another dog right on the other side of the corner. Does that make sense? LOL. Yes. I think it's because it's unexpected and too close. It's a perfect storm. We live in a busy neighborhood, so it's not possible to go into different routes. Uh, I, I would prefer to work through her fears rather than avoid these fears. So my question is, is how do I stop my dog from feeling the need to react when encounter a dog unexpectedly? Well, I think it's not realistic if you have a dog that is going around a corner and then blatantly getting smashed in the face with another dog to be calm. I don't think it's realistic or fair to say, hey, don't care, especially if you have a pre preconditioned reactive dog. I don't, I don't think any of that is fair or likely to be fair. So I think it's important for you to just handle a little bit better. If you're turning corners and you're seeing dogs almost every turn, it's probably important for you to just step out in front first 
before anything else. I think that that's my answer to that is just because if the other dogs are react, say, say five out of 10 dogs are reactive when you do that, or 50% of the dogs are reactive, no matter how much you do training wise, it's still not going to be realistic or fair to say, Hey, don't care. I'm hitting you in another face with another dog immediately. And they're going to bark and try to lunge at you. That's not fair. So my suggestion is change up your handling and maybe step foot out before just a little bit of back pressure and every corner that you go around, you walk first. And if there is a dog, you can avoid go around and that'll be more successful. All right, you guys, next week, we're getting into a bunch of other questions. And again, if you guys want me to answer your questions, make sure you go over to the iTunes, leave your review. And in that review, you leave me a question and I'll answer it next episode. Have a great day. Um, By the time you guys are listening to this, I will be on the Today Show uh, on Wednesday, which is today that you're listening to this. This is is recorded before that though. So anyway, it's going to be cool. No Bed Dog Army. What's up? Growing, educating, helping dogs. Love you guys. Have a good day. Bye. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.